DJ PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. When Zero Res cleans the carpets and tile, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean. Don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. All right, PK, we're getting a lot of reaction to our discussion in the last segment about the youths and should they be in the preseason top 25 uh, Brad says they're finally releasing how overrated Utah is. They keep getting beat by really good teams like Oregon and Texas. Utah just thinks they are a good team. Todd says, I'd Go take Cougars. Utah. I would take Utah over 10 of those teams. Go Cougars. Well, Utah thinks they're uh, just a. Utah thinks they're a good team. And two years ago, apparently the NFL might have thought that too. I think with uh, all the guys getting drafted. drafted. Yeah, sort of, because we always point to the SEC and 87 Alabama guys went in the most recent draft and all that stuff, and and they just keep rolling out the number of prospects that are, uh, speaking of prospects, I mean NFL prospects. I mean, it's one right after another. And it's scary now because they're all at, uh, not all, but a lot more at skill positions. You know, Alabama with the quarterbacks. It used to be those guys, those conferences didn't produce quarterbacks. It's the Pac-10, Pac-12. And now those guys, Ohio State, starting to produce those guys. So their offenses are getting even more prolific. You know, the three yards in the cloud of dust of the Woody Hayes days are long, long gone. So the gap between us and them is even wider now as they could produce positions that we used to be able to produce on a more consistent basis. They've uh, cornered that market, so it's scary. But you separate them, and then I really believe as a football program, you know, not an individual team from year to year, but as a program, the Utes belong in that next tier. Maybe they don't belong at the top of that next tier, but I believe they belong in the discussion of the next tier. Yeah, I can see all of that, and you're right about the NFL picks and all that. Um, so what it comes down to is, you know, Nick, and Nick Saban has talked about this, that he made a decision that he was done trying to win games, you know, 9-6 to six and 10 to nothing and 13-9 to nine because he was into get a power back, you know, Get, get a, uh, a 240-pound guy who had some speed and run him 30 times a game. And quarterback, uh, just have someone who was okay. And he decided... Get the job done. Yeah, and he decided, no, we have to be ready to go play uh, a game and score 35, 45 points to win a game and, and be able to win something that's really, you know, a high-scoring shootout and, and go out, score people if necessary. And he hasn't completely given up on defense. There's just an acknowledgement you're not going to win 17 to 10. And that has <laughs> taken Alabama into the 21st century. And I just think for the Utes, the question is, and this is probably in the preseason poll, it's, it's probably the single biggest thing. And that probably isn't fair because it usually comes down to more than one thing. But is Brewer going to be a quarterback unlike anything Kyle Whittingham has seen or, or had. I mean, Tyler Huntley was a huge leap forward. What he did, his junior year he got hurt, but it was happening his junior year, but it was really on display his senior year. 
I mean, his quarterback play senior year, compare that to other quarterbacks. I mean, you have to go back to Brian Johnson in the Mountain West, right? It was clearly the best quarterback play the Utes had gotten in a decade. Is Brewer going to match that? Is he going to exceed that? Because if he does, then that means they probably have a running game to take some of the heat off the passing game and keep you honest. That means receivers, whether they're slot receivers, tight ends, or wide receivers, they're making plays. And whether it's somebody who still hasn't transferred into the program, whether there's somebody like Solomon Enos who just takes a huge leap forward in his development, whatever it is, if Brewer goes off, that probably happened. And if Brewer goes off and the defense is usually good, then the Utes are what you're talking about. They're probably not on the Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma level, but they're in the next group. And depending on what they do in a couple of close games that you inevitably play every year, you know, are they Team 5, Team 10, Team 15? It's not a case of where we're seeing them in these preseason polls where like, yeah, I'll put them in at 22, uh, I'm going to leave them out. If they get the quarterback play that they got from Huntley, or if they get better than that, then sky's the limit. Dream big. Dream big, PK. It's sort of funny because we look at Zach Wilson, well, he doesn't have a team around him. But we go with Brewer, and we say, man, if he really comes through. Like, we, we don't want to put it on Zach Wilson at the NFL level, but we're putting it all on Brewer at the college level, which is sort of interesting in that way because they don't have any proven commodities at running back. I mean, obviously, uh, they would have with, with, uh, with the sensational Ty Jordan. I mean, if he would, if he'd come back, wow, wow. I mean, kid looked unbelievable. Uh, so, and you already acknowledge, well, they got uh, some issues at receiver, but yet we're going right to Brewer. But yet we go with the with Zach Wilson. Well, well we got to look at the team around him. But we don't do that with Brewer. We're, we're just heaping all this pressure on him. Man, if he comes through and he's the best quarterback, Kyle Wilber, look out. The sky's the limit. Dream big, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So I find that an interesting situation where, one, we're sort of hesitant. Look at the team around him. The other, man, if this kid, oh, wow, man, he threw for, what did he throw, 11,000 yards, whatever it was at Baylor, and blah, blah, blah. He just uh, has an opportunity to be the best that uh, Kyle's ever had, and yada, yada. So uh, I'm not sure that I buy into that theory completely since I'm not buying into it with Wilson at the, at the pro level. And the pro level is different, obviously, but the concept being the same. The quarterback, if, if Wilson has to have a team around him, then Brewer has to have a team around him. So I don't understand what the, what the difference is here. And we'll have to see what that offensive team around him is. The thing that I find surprising to me is every time you hear Utah mentioned, it is always in a positive vein. And every time, by people outside of our market here, not talking about us, fans or media, and they're the ones who make up the market, the players make up the teams, the fans and the media, right? Every time you hear Kyle's name mentioned, it is always in a positive vein with respect. This program has not been disrespected in years outside of our boundaries. Inside, there's fans who get frustrated with their team, and then, of course, the Cougars are going to hate them, and they're overrated and all that stuff. And that's We get all that. That's, that's what makes the rivalry fun is you, uh, you hate the other guy. As long as it's a sports hate, I'm all for it. 
once you start getting into real hate, uh, I have a problem with that. But sports hate, have at it. That's what makes it fun. I mean, I hate the Wildcats. Fact is, I don't know one Wildcat, and so if I did, I'd probably like them. But I don't, I don't like them because it's a sports hate. And uh, I have a big poster on my wall that just says 70-7. People think it's biblical, you know. It's uh, <laughs> 70 to no. It's actually the score of the game. So it's not 70 times 7 to take out of the Old Testament it, or New Testament. It is the score of the game. So uh, that's fun. But outside of that, man, Utah, they get so much respect. That's why I was surprised that in an ESPN thing, they didn't get respect. Now, you said Stuart Mandel had the Utes mm-hmm. in there. He had him at 22. That, that doesn't surprise me in the least. Because, because that's the respect. Yeah. And we had, what was it, Kyle on the other day, and he was talking about how Phil Steele was uh, coming up. Kyle gave Phil Steele an hour. An hour. He spent on the phone. What do you think Phil Steele is going to say about the Utes? I mean, we, I have, I scoped this out. I've been in this business a long time. I'm an old codger in the business now, right? But I scoped it out like maybe three or four years into the business as far as the media. And, uh, you know, I was not that I'm anybody now, but certainly back then I was a nobody. But I wanted to tell all sports information directors and they call them more the PR folks at the at the pro level and sports information directors at the college level. If you want to get positive publicity, all you got to do is treat that media member like he or she is somebody. The media members are just basically dogs. And I use this analogy, and I've been using it for many years now. If you pet a dog, the dog wants to lick you. If you kick a dog, the dog wants to bite you. It's as simple as that. and It'll never change. No matter how many media forms and whatever, how it changes, we're still human beings, right? Well, Kyle basically pets the media. And what do they do? They love him back big time. So he gets enormous respect. And I guarantee you Stuart Mantel has spoken to Kyle, and Kyle's treated him like man, like a man. Hey, Stuart, how are you? How's it going? <laughs> what are you going to do in that case? You going to blast him? No, you're not. You're going to praise him. So the Utes get, they, I could argue, and see if you agree with this, that they get more praise than they've actually deserved or earned. That's a close call, and you love to get those and then make the definitive stand. They certainly get a lot of praise. They certainly get a lot of praise. I think one thing they've got for going for, everything you say is true, first off. People like Kyle. Kyle is nice to people. He makes sure to make some kind of uh, personal comment more often than not that recognizes your existence, whether you're on the phone or in person. If he knows you a little bit, He'll, you know, he'll mess you. He'll mess with you a little bit, and uh, you know, get, oh, he gives get a me laugh. all sorts of crap. And well, I but hate he him. knows you even better. You but know? I, I mean, hate you, him. I, I know, but you've been around twenty years, <laughs> standing in front of him with a microphone. That's more than most media members. So he knows you more. I think the thing that has helped them and that they get credit for is that the ma- the national media largely dismisses the group of five. They'll stick up for them a little bit. They're not getting a ride. You know, if they expand the playoff, they, maybe they should get an automatic berth, that kind of stuff. Um, but the teams of the teams that have made the leap, the Utes have had more success. 
they've been in the Pac-12 title game more than TCU has been in the Big 12 title game. And I get TCU didn't, you know, there wasn't a Big 12 title game for a while. That really hurt TCU one year. Um, you know, or, or the success Louisville's had. They've all had some success to some degree, but I think the Utes have been more consistent, and so they get a little, they get a little, uh, a little love for that and a little respect for oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that they're also, because they're in the Pac-12 South, people look at it like USC should win that division eight or nine times in ten years. Now, that's probably not realistic, but USC has had a couple runs where they did that kind of stuff. You know, they probably, I guess, probably had three runs um, where they did that kind of thing. They don't do it all the time. They're kind of expected to do it all the time. So I think anybody who challenges that, you're in a great spot. You know, they're the big dog. They're going to take all the heat. I mean, if Clay Helton goes 11-1, and one, he's not going to get any credit for the 11. But, man, is he going to get questioned about the one. So if you're Utah or ASU and if UCLA or Arizona or Colorado ever got on that kind of role, I think they'd benefit from it too. And I just think people are looking at Utah and ASU like, can you believe they're even challenging USC? Because USC's got so much history, and they've got so many built-in advantages. And they've had three coaches who've gone in there and crushed it. Just crushed it. So Howard Jones? uh, I wasn't going back that far, but I guess he'd be four. You know, John Robinson had an awesome run and got an NFL gig out of it. Um, well, they've had three guys who've had awesome runs and gotten NFL gigs out of it, right? Because John McKay went to Tampa Bay, and John Robinson went to the Rams, and Pete Carroll went to the Seahawks. And they all won national titles, had Heisman Trophy winners, and got NFL gigs. And all of them went to at least conference title games, and Carroll won it all. And they're sitting there with all those recruits in L.A. There's so many four-star and five-star players coming out of there. And they play every position on the field. I mean, you can literally recruit any position you need in L.A. So they get all this. So, so if you beat them, and you're 8-4 and four and you beat them, it's, hey, look at what that coach did. Herm and Kyle. Now, Herm's like, Kyle, you know, he's great with the media. He's engaging. He gives them good quotes. I wonder how much time they set aside for that kind of stuff. And they're recruiting when they do it. It's not like it isn't productive Herm? time. Well, he only sleeps one hour a day. <laughs> <laughs> he's at the facility at 2 in the morning. And he gets uh, like three hours of media. He's scheduled way out. Yox tried to get him. So it's not that he's not doing anything. It's that they've already, he gets so many requests, he's already scheduled out. True. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, it's the Jazz. It's the Spurs. They're playing tonight. Tim Lacombe joins us. Seven games left in the regular season. They haven't clinched a top two spot, but they're getting very close. Four and three down the stretch will do it. And the number one seed, they are neck and neck with the Suns, who are going back to back tonight. We'll talk with Tim Lacombe about the race to the finish next. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Is Aaron Rodgers a draw for you? Uh, I like to watch Aaron Rodgers play the game. Oh, yes, I do. He's not intriguing to me at all. You know, the Hail Mary passes, he's an entertaining quarterback to watch. I will watch the Packers when they play. And yes, I am softening up to him because I'd like to see him in a Broncos uniform. 
This is what it's about. You're softening up Aaron Rodgers because if he does end up Denver, you don't want it to be like that buddy that tears apart this guy's ex-girlfriend or, you know, he's separated from his wife. Oh, she's horrible anyways. And then they get back together. It's like, oh, this is awkward. I want that marriage to be broken up and I want her to be in my house. Man, it's not a great way to say that. No, it's not. That didn't sound right. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Sunday, get the best blanket ever. It's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day. With Minky Couture, Sandy, her staff, getting it done for our listeners again, helping you get a ride on Mother's Day. You get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. Time to welcome in the former youth, the former Cougar, now on the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows, Tim Lacombe. Tim, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Well, I'm awake, ready to tackle another day. How's that? You're excited it's a 7 o'clock game, not an 8 o'clock game. Am I right? Yeah, that was a nice little bump. Um, We got a little... Got a been at eight o'clock for a minute, so yeah, I had to look at the calendar to make sure. Uh, but that will save me uh, or give me one extra hour of sleep. Let's put it that way. That's a win. That's a win right there. That's a dub. So the Jazz to get the win is it just instant replay of what they did to the, against the Spurs on Monday? And do you expect a little more out of the Spurs since they won't be going back to back and flying in from Texas? Yeah, they're going to be fresh. Uh, you know, that was that was the one thing the Jazz were um, able to kind of sit and rest while the, the Spurs played. You know, the Jazz have been doing a little of that themselves this year. So um, I, I believe that we'll see a, a similar game. But the, the one thing that's interesting about these back-to-backs, you know, it's going to be a nice little uh, almost a workshop on the playoffs because you play somebody – uh, you stay, you rest, uh, you play again, then, you know, a day later. And everybody's going to make some adjustments and things that, you know, the other team did well. You're going to try to to take away. And so, um, you know, I thought the first game Spurs really tried to eliminate three-point shots. And they only gave up 34 three-point shots to the Jazz. The Jazz were, uh, you know, really, really good in the paint. And Rudy was was phenomenal, and that's typically what happens when teams kind of sit on that three pointer. Interesting concept, Tim. If Tim sit on that three pointer, as you say, because you'd have to say the Jazz are prolific in that, and they want to attempt as many as possible. We know that. So, looking into the playoffs, if it's something that is an opportunity to take away something from somebody, they're probably going to do that. So do you see the Jazz having to make adjustments and one of those adjustments in the postseason will we shoot more twos or do they find more ways to make sure they still get up the number of threes that they want to get up? 
No, I think that, you know, they've seen uh, a lot of different looks this whole year. And I think that's one of the great things about a regular season. You're going to have the opportunity to see all sorts of different looks. You know, coaches come with different game plans and different schemes. Um, and the Jazz actually fared really well when when a team has tried to take away one or the other. Um, it's the teams that kind of have the ability with their length their versatility and switching, um, and then you know just their their sheer aggressiveness. Those those have been the teams that have given the Jazz a lot more trouble than uh, a team that's basically trying to camp on the three point line and make them do something else. Because the ball moves great, and Quinn has always had the rim as a huge piece of why the Jazz are successful. They always want to attack the rim. Uh, they always want to put pressure on the rim, whether it be in in penetration, uh, roll game, or or transition. That element needs to be there to make the three pointer uh, more accessible. So, the one thing I will say is the Jazz are well versed in seeing all sorts of different defenses, and so that that will certainly play in their advantage as the playoffs come because they've seen a little bit of everything and they've been able to execute a little against a little bit of everything. So, a long time ago, Jeff Hornacek sat in the locker room and told PK, you really want to be playing well in the last 10 games. You know, you want to get all the key guys together, get them on the same page, really be in a groove, and that makes a lot of sense. It's common sense. But for teams like the Jazz and the Lakers, who have guys out and might get them back for the playoffs, you know, the Nuggets aren't getting Jamal Murray back, and the Warriors aren't getting Klay Thompson back. So their best guys, even if it's not their best possible team, their best possible playoff team is trying to get on the same page right now. But the Jazz and the Lakers may not have their best possible playoff team available here at the end of the regular season. How much is that a concern? Well, I think that's you've heard that forever. And having been around the game, I think it's important. You know, everybody used to ask us how things are going middle of January. There, there's just kind of a, I don't know, there's just like spring and, and new blossoms and flowers. When spring hits, when playoffs hit, you know, there's almost some new life that's breathed into the team. Um, but you always do want to be playing your best basketball. And like you said, in the Jazz circumstance right now, they're not able to really have everyone out there because of injury. But, uh you know, Scotty and I were talking on the po- on the post game the other night um, that this may be somewhat of a blessing in disguise because uh, Donovan had a really really going, um, and um, you know, th- there's there's no doubt in my mind that uh, you know Donovan is the guy on this team that's just a little bit different than everybody else. You know, he can get his own shot um, and. So what this last little stretch has done, I think, is it's kind of infused some confidence in a bunch of guys who kind of needed it. Um, and I'll start with Bojan. I think he's just been he's been remarkable. Um, and you know, to his credit, I think he sees the void uh, that's left without a couple of guys out there that are a scores, um, but the playmaking component. You know, we've seen him do more off the bounce, get to the rim. Um, I think he is the very definition of versatility. Uh, he's a guy the Jazz, you know, through their storied franchise, he's, he's kind of been the guy that's hard to find. Somebody can make shots from the perimeter that's rugged enough to, to take a beating on the, you know, on the in the post. 
um, and has a much better than advertised drive game. Um, and, and I think some of the early stuff that we saw with Bowie on turnovers and, and not finishing had more to do with his, his wrist than anything else. And the fact that that's all coming together, not ideal right now, because you, you would much rather have everybody out there gelling. But I think there are some, um, some bright spots that you can, I guess the old adage, if life gives you lemon, make lemonade. So I think that's what the Jazz are doing. Let me write that down. If life gives you lemons. Yeah, I think that was, um, if I remember right, that was Betsy Ross that said that. <laughs> Betsy Between Ross, Bobby, flags. Bobby Ross's uh, wife. The old Charger coach and what do you coach? Georgia Tech, Georgia yep. somewhere. Georgia Tech, Ramblin' Wreck, <laughs> hell of an engineer. <laughs> uh, okay. Do you see an opportunity for Bogey when he puts his head down though to get some drawn kick? Because it seems like once the head's going down, man, he's going to the basket. He he does have that tension, um, but I have seen him make some plays off the bounce, even passing. Um, and and so the one thing we know about this this jazz team is these coaches do a great job. Um, you don't have to watch very, very long to see progress. Um, I made, you know, I, I've talked way too much about it, but I've watched Rudy elevate his game within the context of one season. Um, his ability right now to catch it and to finish it is light years ahead of where it was the beginning of the year. Um, you know, a guy like George Niang is playing with, a great level of confidence, but he's really kind of shored up pieces of his game he needed to. And and Bojan, obviously, that's something they watch on film. Like, I can guarantee you, when they watch film and Bojan drives it and puts his head down, because Quinn's theory is eyes up, eyes out. When he when he drives, it, and I guarantee those are clips on film because that's how you reinforce. And um, those guys all get a film package from the night before. And there's good, and there's bad, and there's ugly. And those things are all going to be on there. And so through recognition and accountability and then certainly opportunities within the context of practice uh, and games to reinforce, that's why you see guys get better. Um, I think it's a great observation, PK. And I think that um, I've, I've definitely seen improvement, but it's def- definitely a little part of his game that he can, he can improve for sure. So team-wide, if there's one thing to improve, it's turnovers. When they don't turn the ball over, they look awesome. When they do yeah. turn the ball over, I sense people yelling at their TVs and throwing stuff. That's what it looks like in the studio. I don't know if you've ever seen a dent where you sit, but <laughs> I've been known to throw a few things. Is there anything that can be done to lessen the number of turnovers? Quinn Snyder said, yeah. Look where you're throwing it, and if there's a guy in the way, don't throw the ball. I mean, that's not a tone Quinn usually takes, but that makes me think he's at the end of his rope when he's saying stuff like that on a Zoom call with the media. It's like, oh, he's talked about turnovers till he's blue in the face. He's just at it. So a couple of things to unpack there. I think, number one, um, you know, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier in the conversation. I think that the Jazz have seen so many different looks this year. Um and people really have disguised coverages. Um, you know, it's, it's one fascinating thing about the NBA, watching the Jazz the other night against the Spurs, and the Spurs are just this notoriously deadly two-point team. Um, very rarely do you see a team that shoots the two like they do. I mean, DeMar DeRozan has not attempted a three since March 26th. 
everything he does, his shot chart looks like when there's a tornado warning rolling through the south. You know, it's all red. That's where his his, his is in the paint. Um, but the Jazz, obviously, they have this ability to attack you off the bounce and on the roll. And in, so a couple of things I'll point to. Number one, I think it's, it's changing defenses and guys, you know, maybe assuming that defense is being played with like the one the other night. And, and there has been a lot of, of uh, disguise. And then I think second thing is spacing. Quinn talks about spacing all the time. Uh, this offense is really based on guys being deep corners and free throw line extended um, and, you know, really kind of playing off one another. And if somebody's not in the right spot and the defense is able to, to cheat a little bit, that compromises, you know, your your ball security. And then I think the third thing is focus. And this team has gone in and out a lot, and Quinn talks about it after after games all the time. When this team's really focused and really locked in, it's really good. But you see guys, and it's it's across the board. It's not just young guys or old guys. It's everybody. They get a little complacent with a pass that probably seems easy. And uh, like you said, DJ, they throw it to the other team. And so I think those three, those combination of things, um, understanding the defense, how they're playing, making sure your spacing is impeccable. Um, spacing is offense, and offense is spacing. That was Rick Majerus. Um, actually, he said it like this. You know, spacing is offense, and, or an offense is spacing, something like that. Um, but that's that's the second thing. And then I think that focus, that understanding of, uh, of making sure that guys are in the right spots, um, that your pass is, is deliverable, and that you make a good decision. And, and those are the things I'm sure Quinn's driving home all the time. It's just a matter of those things clicking. But you make a great point. When the Jazz take care of the ball, and particularly eliminate live ball turnovers. Those are the ones that are really tough because the Jazz are not great in transition defensively right now. They, they kind of hit and miss. So when you throw the team the ball and they've got a head start with numbers, that's a hard one to, to, to guard. So eliminate live ball turnovers would be more important than anything else. So they need these four wins to get to seal up second place. Uh, I think they're going to get them. If they get them, do you think they pull back a little bit, or they still proceed try to get first? Um, gosh, I have no idea. I think at that point, I think if you've got something locked up, and, and that's the funny part right now, is there's so many people that are are in a position to. Again, last night the West completely shifted, right? Um, so I don't know. That's going to be a decision they'll have to make. I, I think if it's within shouting distance, certainly they would love to be the number one seed, but. Um, now you have to start kind of planning on and, and like you guys talked about getting yourselves right and ready and fresh. A lot of these guys, you know, you forget the Clarkson and Ingles and all these dudes have been really trying to carry the load. Um, and even though other dudes are playing minutes, you know, they feel a little bit more responsibility. So they've got to be fatigued. Uh, I was actually very, very impressed with a day off, the way Rudy looked, the difference between Rudy on Saturday and Monday. Just one day off, what it does for guys. And so they've got four games this week. They've got the one, they've, they've made their way through one, um, got tonight. And then, uh, I, so I, I guess that's an organizational question more than anything. But um, my thought is if the Jazz are within striking distance of one, uh, they'll do it smart. But I don't know that you just concede that. 
As always, Tim, we appreciate it. We have more for you, but we don't want you to, you know, empty the opinions holster there. You, you've got another hour to do at 6 o'clock tonight on the pregame show. I do. I actually I've lost my opinion holster, but I, I've got one on order from Amazon. It should be here by 10.30, so we should be good. You'll be good to go at 6 o'clock. Yep. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, pre-half and post-game tonight, 6 o'clock the pregame with the Jazz and the Spurs at 7. And if they're turnovers, then you know the remote control is bouncing off the wall or the TV set, depending on Tim's aim. God bless you, everyone. Thank you, Tim. See ya. DJ PK coming up. Michael Lev covers the Arizona Wildcats. For the Arizona Daily Star, Arizona and BYU in the season opener. Utes obviously have the conference game with them later in the year. We'll find out if Wildcats are ready for any kind of uh, bounce back. The last time we saw them, PK's Sun Devils were crushing them 70-7 to and getting a coaching staff fired. We'll talk with Michael Lev coming up in 15 minutes. Coming up next, we'll underline, I think, the most important thing Tim Lacombe said, and we will do that next. Stay with us. The Big Show Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Have you showed Lisa this story? No. Will you put the headset on her and show her that story? <laughs> okay, now you be respectful while I'm gone, okay? Okay. Hey, hey fellas. Yeah. Gordon is back. Hi, Gordon. Yeah, she's not here. I think she's on a walk or something. Now, wait a minute. Did you eat something? <laughs> I grabbed a snack. On the- you I didn't did go even <laughs> go look for it. I saw a couple of M&Ms, so I chucked them in my mouth, and then I went to the other side of the house to look for them. You did not. You just went to the kitchen <laughs> to grab a snack. <laughs> It's okay. Isn't it? Sure, they're waiting on air for me, but heck, I'm oh, hungry. Might as well, yeah, eat some. Oh, I got a snack. <laughs> Catch the big show weekdays from two to seven, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 the Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. All right, we just had Tim Lacombe on talking Utah Jazz and PK. I think when he starts talking about turnovers, it really gets to the heart of the matter. Obviously, a lot of things happen in a game, and a lot of things cause wins and losses. But I think when a quarter goes badly for the Jazz, and they're giving up 30 points in a quarter, and their lead's going away, more often than not, you look at it, it's turnovers and it's fast breaks for the other teams. That seems to be the kryptonite, and it seems to be the thing that takes down the Jazz more often than anything else. Any team? You what? Wouldn't that be for any team? Could be. Obviously, we watch way more of the Jazz. Um, I think other teams do get sunk at times by their inability to shoot the ball. Uh, But I think the Jazz are in pretty good shape in that area. Um, There are matchups that haunt teams. There are lineups that haunt teams. Now, maybe when a lineup is haunted, they are turning the ball over. Um, But I, I don't feel like the Jazz have a lineup they put out on the floor where I think they just have to... And, and they've had it at times. They just don't think they're there now. They put a lineup on the floor and you're thinking they just need to get through these few minutes and not get blown off the floor because this group isn't good enough. You know, they have enough depth to stay away from that now. But the turnovers come... When the turnovers come from the Jazz, I can't really pin it on just one player or one lineup. You know, there's this spot in the game where they're running these guys out there. They're at risk. They, it seems like the turnovers can pop up at any time, and any, anybody can have an issue. You know, it's been Donovan or Mike at times. Boyan has had his issues with turnovers at times. Rudy's had his. You know, you can just go down the lineup. 
Well, if it was any one player, then you'd take him out and you'd solve the problem. So obviously it's not any one player. It's uh, across the board. I, I don't cringe, but I get a little a tad bit nervous when Rudy Gobert goes out, and that's no knock on anybody else. It's more of a nod to Gobert's greatness. I mean, he is the great security blanket. I mean, I just feel so much better when he's out on the floor. Uh, certainly at one end, uh, defensively speaking, but he also can add more offense. I mean, you, it, the thing that one of the things that I've loved in the development of this team is to watch somebody like Conley, who's got adept at chucking the ball up for Gobert to go slam it. You know, in the 80s when I was watching all those Laker games, I used to love to see, you knew it was coming, the Koopa Loop. Oh, yeah. The, uh, Everybody the, loved the Koopa Loop. The lob to Michael Cooper, and the place would go nuts. And, you know, it was going to happen, and maybe even multiple times, right? So it was a fun, fun play. Uh, the Gobert lob now is really, in my mind, a thing of beauty. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of a guy who likes the, uh, the finer points of sports, so, you know, the, 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 the relay from uh, right center and the cutoff and you, the cutoff's right on the money and the, the second baseman or shortstop catches it as his shoulders are turned parallel to home and he throws to the plate and they get the guy out at the plate. That's the kind of stuff I really, really enjoy. It's the finer points of the game that I just marvel at these guys to be able to do it and to do it so well, right? And that lob... It, it looks so easy, but I, and I don't really think it is when, when someone's on the move and they're moving at a, a lot of times at a high rate of speed, and it's just an acknowledgement that, okay, go Bears there, and I think it's come through the just the familiarity of the guys playing and knowing where players are going to be because you've been playing with them for a good while. So I see that. So I do get a little nervous when not I don't know nervous is the right word. I'm not sure what the right word is, actually, which is a surprise because I usually have the words, but I don't know how to describe it. But I do think when Gobert leaves the floor, find a way to to still remain competitive until you can get him back in because obviously he's not playing all 48. But there's no question, yes, with particularly with Gobert as a defensive anchor, if you're turning the ball over and you know above the free throw line and all that stuff, you get an opportunity for the other team to get easy buckets, and that just sucks because you're you don't score and you're giving away two points. So you're it's like a double whammy, and I think if they can keep that number around ten, as close to it as possible. I don't know what the stats were. Somebody should go through that. And I'm sure they have. Yeah, They've got stats got for it. everything. That, Locke probably you know, has it, too. Yeah. We can hit you know, him up. If you He'll have 10 turnovers, if you have 12 turnovers, 15, yeah. whatever I think, the I think they're differential good up to, is. They're, they, if they only turn over 10 times, I think the Jazz are great. But I think they're pretty good even at 15. But once 15? you start getting into that 18 to 20 range, David you is are said, playing with fire. David says traditionally with the Jazz, how they run their offense, they will always have turnovers. But if it's around 10, they're actually doing they're, pretty good. They're golden at that yeah, point. That's what yeah. he said. Yeah, because you're not – not only are you eliminating an opportunity for yourself to score, but if you're giving away easy points and, and, it, and it can't it, do his thing, it's unfortunate. Well, and the numbers don't lie there, right? You get zero points on that possession, and they, they get two or three, three-point play and a foul, or you know now teams run fast breaks for three-pointers. It's not all for And one! Points. And one! 
<laughs> but it's also, and this is the stuff you like, it's not so much the analytics, it's also all the emotion and the momentum. It takes the jazz crowd out of it. Or, you know, on the road, now we're seeing some other arenas with fans in it, and it gets them into the game. And it certainly fires, even if the arena's empty, it fires up the other team, and you'll see their bench go nuts and that kind of stuff. And you can't underestimate the, uh, the energy that comes with all that emotion that'll pump a team fans up on the next possession. in the arena, yes. Did you hear Jared Dudley? He's a smart dude. I think he went to Boston College. He's very, very media-friendly. Mm-hmm. Say that he thinks that it is wildly unfair how, like Portland, they have zero fans. Yeah, some teams have and, them and some teams don't. And so he was saying in the playoffs, uh, the way I took it, I don't think he was saying it specifically, but he was saying, man, Salt Lake is going to have a de- – they already have a great advantage you know, this place goes berserk and bonkers, but if they start allowing more and more fans in and they're increasing the number, I don't know what the time frames are, but they have been increasing the numbers. And if they increase the numbers even more, so he didn't say this, I don't think, uh, but I took from it. Should the league step in and make it more uniform on the number of fans that are going to be allowed? Because it could be a significant differential from one destination to the next. It absolutely could be. Um, The Blazers have had no fans, but I saw that they are getting permission to let in 10% of capacity, and that by the playoffs they could be up to 20%. So I don't know exactly what the place sits, but that sounds like basically 2,000 fans and maybe getting up to 4,000. Now the Jazz... I seem to be trending towards ten. I don't know how quickly they'll 10, get there. Yeah, ten thousand fans. I When's don't know. First playoff game. If you what? When's the first playoff game? Uh, May twenty second, I think. Then let's trend towards that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the point I was getting to. I don't know if it'll be there for the first playoff game later in the series. If they get to the second round, you know how that'll all work out remains to be seen. Uh, but I think what you're saying and what Dudley's saying, there's absolutely truth to it. And playing in an empty building is different than playing in front of 5,000 fans. So if you, if you played high school sports, if you played in front of 100 people or 1,000 people, you know, you heard them and it pumped you up. So what's it going to be when you take it to five and 10,000? Obviously, it's, uh, it's going to have an impact. It's, um, even if it doesn't, I don't know that the opposing fans drag you down. I mean, pros have been through a lot. They've heard a lot. Look at what the Astros heard from the Yankees last night, or Yankee fans last night. Uh, but I think that all players will acknowledge the home fans will pump you up when you're dragging a little bit. You know, when things aren't going well and you're, you know, tired late in the game, they'll definitely give you a shot of adrenaline if they're in the building. All right, when we come back, Michael Lev covers the Arizona Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star. BYU and Arizona play the season opener. Utes have their conference game with the Wildcats later in the season, and we will find out if the Wildcats are an easy target for a W or if the turnaround has begun in Tucson. Michael Lev coming up next. Stay with us.